Welcome to Musicians Versus the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith. And today we are going to be learning about the role and importance of the sound editor and re-recording mixer in the film and television industry. It's a career path that's a possibility for musicians, so I want to make sure that we learn about it. My guest today is supervising sound editor and re-recording mixer James Parnell from Monkeyland Audio. James Parnell is a supervising sound editor and re-recording mixer based in Los Angeles, California. He has had the opportunity to work on several high-profile projects, including Academy Award-winning films like Get Out and Moonlight, as well as The Mist and Happy Death Day. Most recently, James was supervising sound editor and re-recording mixer for Peacock and Sony television series Twisted Metal. James is a member in good standing of the Motion Picture Editors Guild Local 700, the Motion Picture Sound Editors, the Cinema Audio Society, and the Audio Engineering Society. So James, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Musicians Versus the World. Thanks so much for having me, Christine. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, this is a podcast about musicians, and so you are actually our first sound editor and re-recording mixer we've ever had. So welcome. Uh, awesome. um, I'm really I'm so excited to learn from you and to talk to you. I love a really good sounding film or television, and I can see there's so much artistry in it, and it's very similar to creating a musical composition in a way, just with decisions that you make. So I can't wait to kind of pick your brain on this and to teach our listeners all about sound editing and re-recording. So yeah, um, happy to help. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So can we just get <laughs> jump right into it? What does a sound editor actually do? So a sound editor is someone who um, basically, as the title would suggest, edits sound together for a show. But there's m many different disciplines within that, you know, umbrella term or job category. So there's dialogue editors, there's sound effects editors, there's background editors, there's Foley editors. Um, and uh, all of these, you know, different editors um, work together to compose the soundtrack or the soundscape of a film or television show. Okay. Okay. And then so you're also listed as a re-recording mixer. Is that under the sound editor umbrella? So it's not. It's separate, actually. So basically on, um, on Twisted Metal, for example, um, we're going to be talking about that, but um, the I was at the supervising sound editor. So basically, um, I was supervising a team of sound editors. Okay. So I was in charge of checking in on the various departments, making sure the dialogue was ready to go for the episode, checking in on the sound effects, uh, making sure that everything was perfectly in sync, that it sounded the way the showrunner was wanting, checking in on the ambiences, the the backgrounds, um, making sure the foley was completed. Um, making sure the sound design for the cars sounded exactly the way that, you know, the showrunner was expecting it to. And separately from that, a re-recording mixer is someone who sits on the mix stage in front of a large console and mixes all of those things and balances them all together with music that we get. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're doing all the managing and then the artistic at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Juggling lots of balls. How long were your work days doing that? Um, really long. It was, um, we started, so we, so, and we can get more into the process if you want, but we started our, I think our initial sound spotting sessions, which is where we go and sit with the, um, the, the, pro the production team, the producer and the showrunners that we, we watch the rough cuts of the episodes and we talk about ide sonic ideas for the show that started in uh, pre Christmas, uh, of 2020, like 
Christmas of 2022. So it would have been like uh, probably like late November, early December. And the mixing of all 10 episodes finished mid-April of 2023. So it was like five months, four or five months of, of work. For 10 episodes? For 10 episodes, yeah. Wow. And there was, a, there was a break week in the middle of the five where we were waiting on outstanding VFX for some of the other episodes and stuff. So we had a, a week in that in that hurricane to try and like pull stuff together and get ready for the next batch of five episodes. Okay. So I can see why you needed a team to supervise. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a huge team effort. Yeah. yeah. So now you said that there, and now let's explain some of these, some of these things. Now you yeah. said you were talking about Foley. So what is, yeah. what is Foley? So Foley is uh, basically the recreation of all of the characters interactions um, sonically. So if they touch a bottle, if they, when they walk, it's their footsteps. It's anything like if they touch their arms, it's hand pats. It's, uh, it can be something like throwing a bicycle on the ground. Um, in episode 10, um, in Shangri-La and Twisted Metal, John throws a bicycle and we re- we literally had a bicycle that we recorded on the Foley stage, throwing it onto a slab of concrete. So it, it can really? be anything, any prop that a character interacts with. It's giving physicality to the characters on screen. Okay, so how much of the sound that we hear when yes. we're watching a show is Foley and how much is actually recorded with the actors? Um, not to burst anyone's bubble, but it, a lot of it is recreated. I mean, the, you know, the, the key job of a production sound mixer, who's the person on, on set with the boom microphone in their hand, is to get the cleanest recording of the dialogue possible. And anything additional, like, you know, the throwing of a bicycle, for example, if that's captured and it, it, it sounds great and it sounds exactly like you'd expect it to, we obviously use that in our mixing. And in our sound editorial, um, but we all oftentimes, more often than not, enhance stuff with foley um, and sound effects, and sound design. So, how do you make that sound seamless? You know, I'm just thinking when you record yeah. something in different rooms, they're going to sound different. So, what yeah, do you, what do you do? Yeah, so so there's a bunch of different techniques you can use. Like we often, um, and this is a credit to. Um, you know, our, our team here. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll reach out to the production sound mixers and figure out exactly what microphones they're using. And that's a really good start because different microphones have what we call different frequency response patterns. Mm -hmm. So some microphones will be more sensitive to the higher range, the the high mids, which will be vocal microphones. Traditionally, some microphones will be more sensitive to lower stuff for like, you know, for musicians, it would be kick drum microphones are different than vocal microphones. And um, so we'll contact the production sound mixer. We'll get a list of the microphones they used on set. We'll experiment in the early days before we commit to the recording process of which microphone sounds best and for what purposes. Um, and then, you know, it, it comes down to the mixing. So, it, you know, oftentimes production sound is noisy and it has the, you know, the, the sound of the soundstage they're on or the, the if they're shooting on a set out in the real world, you know, you'll have uh, ambience in the background. And um, you know, oftentimes we'll EQ Foley, we'll, uh, compress it, we'll, um, you know, use uh, transient designers to take off harsh transients off of it. And we'll do our best to kind of blend it together to make it sound like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the, what's happening on the screen. Wow. I had yeah. no idea so much of it was Foley. I thought maybe just like a little bit here or there. You yeah. Know, you always see no, the videos every of character. People- Every character's footsteps, everything that they touch, like all the background extras walking in the background, all of those footsteps are recorded. And yeah, really. And then you have to time yeah. it out with their steps. Yeah. So, well, there's a fo- So basically there's a, in, in the Foley recording process, there's a Foley walker and a Foley editor and the Foley walker will track the footsteps. And they're usually, I mean, really good Foley walkers can be like four to seven frames 
out of sync with what they're seeing on screen. And then it's, you know, we have to, usually you globally shift everything because you know what the walkers, uh, what we call offset is. We'll, we'll back time it to make it start in sync and then we'll just edit every footstep in the sync. Just literally going frame by frame through the through the picture, getting every single footfall in sync with the, the, the recording of the footstep. And then in the mix, you have to make it sound like it's far away. Yeah, so we'll do that with background. We'll do that like a, uh, sorry, we'll do that with volume. We'll do that with reverb. Um, lo- loads of different little tricks that we can use. That's so yeah. much work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of detail. <laughs> that is a lot of detail. And so that's why I think it works so well with, I mean, it just seems very musical. That kind of detail goes into music compositions at the same time. Now, are you a musician? Yeah, I started, uh, I mean, a, a couple of uh, post-sound friends of mine joke that like everyone who's a post-sound got into post-sound through music and like we're failed musicians, but it's... <laughs> It's, you know, usually when you, usually when you think of sound, especially when you're, you're looking at like music or sound being a career, you know, your, your first introduction to sound as, uh, as a child or as an adolescent is music. And it, and you suddenly think that like sound is music. And that's where if you were to pursue a career, it would be music engineering or music producing or music recording. And, um, and then I was, I went, so I was a drummer in a band uh, growing up and. I play guitar as well, um, and I was recording the band, and I quickly found out that I was a better, uh, you know, engineer than a drummer, and um, <laughs> I ended up going. Uh, I was at a, going to university for an undergrad in political science, and I was playing in a band the whole time, and then I, upon this realization, I decided I finished the undergrad, and then I went to an audio uh, engineering school in Toronto, Canada where I'm from. And, um, they had one course in post-production sound and it was like a light switch went off and it was like, Oh, this is a, this is a job in sound as well. Cause you know, especially growing up in Canada, the music scene isn't as, as big as America. And I was thinking, you know, how am I ever going to make a career in music engineering? Cause it seemed like it was almost an impossible task. And when I found this, I was a big fan of movies and I was like, Oh, this is, this is exactly what I would want to do with sound. Wow. Yeah. So you have a political science degree as well. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging on the wall, collecting dust somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so when you, you had that light, well, I, yeah, you think about it, music is just organized sound really. And a lot of even music deals with sound and with like production and engineering. So it really seems like a natural progression to go from music to sound editing and engineering. Yeah. And so much of the storytelling process too, um, is in film and television comes down to composed music that we get for the, uh, for the mixed stage and for the episode. And we were fortunate enough on Twisted Metal to work with two fantastic composers named, uh, Leo Byronberg and Zach Robinson who've composed other stuff, Cobra Kai, stuff, stuff for Cobra Kai on Netflix and, um, Pen15 and all of these amazing shows. And um, they were just fantastic. So we'd often get, you know, this amazing score and it would just weave seamlessly into the sound design that we had. It was like they were almost like accentuating and highlighting all of these like really impactful moments with music. So after everything's done and they have this edit and they have a project that they need sound editing on, how do you get involved in that project? Do you have your own company or do you work with a post-production company? Are you a freelancer? Like, how do you get involved in that? I work with a company called Monkeyland Audio. Um, they're based out of Burbank. Um, and, you know, that that's not to say that it doesn't happen other other ways. There are supervising senders in town who are freelance and re-recording mixes who are freelance. And, you know, they often... Um, work with each other or, or work based on their, um, 
you know, their relationships with other people in town. Um, you find that a lot of people tend to work with the same crews just because they have, uh, you know, good relationships and they get along well. Um, so at Monkeyland Audio, this project came to us through our wonderful uh, associate producer, Leah Farrell, um, who I had worked with on a show for Quibi uh, starring Kevin Hart called Die Hart. Um, and she brought the project and she had asked for me to be uh, the mixer on it. Um, and that's how I ended up on Twisted Metal. Um, but there are two different routes. You can either work for a post-directed company and kind of be in-house or you can be freelance. Uh, and okay. work like that. Yeah. And so these freelancers, you said they have these crews. Are those all freelancers yeah. that are kind of subcontracted to this other person? Yeah. And I, I think especially, I think especially in the, say the upper echelons of film, like the huge blockbusters, like, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles or, you know, whatever it is, uh, Barbie or Oppenheimer, you know, those, those supervising senators have long professional relationships with directors so you find that, you know, Christopher Nolan will always work with his team or Steven Spielberg will always work with Gary Rydstrom and, and the guys at Skywalker Sound. You know, it's it's uh, relationships that that form over, you know, decades of filmmaking. Mm, so they kind of grow together. Yeah. And then wait, yeah. so then as a re-recording mixer, you were mixing all of it together. Yeah, yeah. I was on the mix stage. You know, we oftentimes before the, the producers and the, the showrunner come in, we have a day or two kind of mix everything together to get to get it sounding like a show before we show it to them so they don't have to watch me do all of the EQing and the balancing and stuff because it can be quite you know laborious um and I was joking with the our post producer uh, Leah Farrell saying like you know these episodes have more tracks than an average feature film that we work on like they were so I mean the opening three minutes is a good indication of the, the series uh to show just how how intricate all of those sequences those car driving sequences were and and the pro tool sessions were just you know hundreds of tracks 500 600 tracks crazy really yeah oh my goodness yeah you must yeah. be a very organized person to be able to do all that <laughs> yeah I, I guess so i mean i try to be um but it's oftentimes it's just it's it's a process of just getting through the episode like in terms of balancing everything and then rewatching it and saying okay what needs to be changed and what needs to be fixed and it's, mm -hmm. it's a yeah it's in this ever revolving process of just sanding something down till it's really smooth. So. so how do you decide? I mean, I'm guessing the dialogue is always like top. That's always like the, what you should be paying attention to. But besides that, how do you make decisions on what we should be listening to? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, so how best to answer this? I think it comes down to, so we're given really good direction with the rough cut of a picture that comes over. Like they'll do a mix that will have, you know, broad strokes um, in terms of sonic, uh, you know, sonic, uh, uh, direction and we'll watch that. And then obviously everything is heightened and re-edited and all the cars are built and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's just a process of watching down a sequence and the sequence could be a 30 second clip of a car coming around a corner and gunfire. And you have to figure out the, the beats in the storytelling. Like we need to hear the car because we need to, the listener to understand that he's that John Doe or Anthony Maggie's fleeing from the vultures. And then we need to hear the gunfire because we need to know what he's fleeing from. And then we need to hear on this cut, the tire squealing as he makes a move because we need to indicate that he's escaping them. And it, you, you kind of figure out what needs to be told, how loud that needs to be told that to, to evoke the feeling that the listener's going to get watching to it or watching it rather. And, um, and it's just, as I mentioned, it's just the process of like 
mixing it, rewatching it. Okay, this needs to come up, that needs to come down, and then doing the same thing, mixing it, rewatching it, and um, eventually getting it to a, a really succinct, impactful thing where nothing is nothing is competing with the the sound that needs to be playing. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then you also, are you the person that puts it into like surround sound or Atmos or whatever it is that they want? Yeah. So it, again, it depends on the distributor, but um, for Peacock, it was a 5.1 mix. So we were mixing in 5.1 surround sound. And then from there, everything gets down mixed to a stereo mix. So if you're listening on a laptop or a phone or an iPad, you'll get the stereo mix. Won't it sound different? Like, does it, you know, like with the panning and things? Yeah, so the panning will remain. So if something goes right to left, like a bullet going across screen, or a or a car, you know, going across screen left to right, all of that panning will remain intact when you take the five point one information and fold it in stereo. The only thing that you're missing is the immersiveness of the surround sound listening experience. So in surround sound, you can build the atmosphere all around you. You can build, you know, birds chirping out of the surround speakers, and you can you can have, you know, for example, in episode I think it was episode. Eight, uh, they they go to um, Jason Metzoukas' the, the the holy men ground where there's like a, a you know debaucherous party taking place and there's voices and crowd and stuff like that and you can put that in the surround but in the stereo obviously all of that information gets folded into the left and right channels and the left and right channels in the five one stay as left and right channels and the dialogue gets split into the left and right channels so it's okay it, it does sound different but if you do your job right it should sound pretty pretty much the same. Okay. That's what I was, yeah. yeah. So if you do your job, yeah. right. Okay. So, um, so <laughs> speaking of doing your job, right. What makes like a really, really good sound mix? Like how, if you watch a show, how do you know, Oh, that was done really, really well. Um, yeah, it's an, another really good question. So I think that, I think that there's two elements to it. I think that our job as re-recording mixers and sound supervisors, and sound editors is to be as faithful to the storytelling as we can be. So it's obviously you get the rough cut of picture and you know that the the job that's in front of you, you know, you need to tell the story, but it's oftentimes it's like taking that material and seeing just how much you can make it shine and how, how you can add sonic ideas to enhance the, the storytelling within the cut of picture you have. So for example, I'm, I'm working on a, a film that takes place, uh, in a, a boat, like part of the, the main character lives on a boat and it's, you know, we, we could just cut the, the, in terms of cutting, we could sound edit the, the sound of the marina outside the boat, but we also put the sounds of the waves lapping, hitting the hull of the boat and we, and she, she's meant to be struggling, uh, a struggling artist. So her boat would sound a little bit more rickety and we would add some clinking and clanking and the boat would add to her character, um, and to support the kind of story behind her so that the listener would kind of understand you know, her struggle. And then we go to her love interest's uh, apartment and, you know, and it's meant to sound really posh and, and, you know, you don't really hear much of the outside world. It's like a, you know, a self-contained apartment that has thick glass windows and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's uh, anyways, it's, it's interesting. And um, I think, I think a lot could be done sonically to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, and then the second, the second thing is, is, in the mixing process, it's just about making things sound like they should, which is like, you know, when you watch something on TV, you just buy it. You know, it doesn't, right. everything plays its part and nothing sticks out um, yeah, as awkward or anything Yeah, like so that. if you've done a good job, then no one really notices what you've done, but they feel what you've done. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, that's that's the job of a, of a sound professional. 
yeah, to tell the story, make you believe it. So now when you're working these long hours, I think your ears kind of get tired. And don't you get used to hearing things the way that you're doing them? Like, how do you keep things like, do you have to walk away and let your ears rest and refresh and come back and think, oh, wait, I need to fix things? Yeah, that's that that was a big thing on Twisted Metal because the show obviously is really loud. Like yeah. there are big chase moments and explosions and gunshots. And you definitely at the end of a mixed day, you'll get ear fatigue. So you'll start hearing things that were loud as being quieter. And then you'll start pushing the volume up on them. And then you come back the next day and you listen to the mix and you're like, whoa, that's way too loud. And you're, and you're like, <laughs> oh, I mixed that. I mixed that at 6 p.m. And I was probably suffering a bit of ear fatigue. So oftentimes it is a process of like mixing a big scene, letting that, you know, letting that sit for a minute, going to a quieter scene with dialogue, then going back and revisiting and saying, okay, does this sound like I remember it sounding? And and then, you know, time off, having a weekend away and then coming back in on the Monday fresh and mm -hmm. uh, and listening to it can, can often help. Well, that's yep. pretty amazing. Can we talk more about like the process with this Twisted Mel? Because that's from a video game um, yeah. that everybody knows. And then you're making a like a TV show out of it, but everybody knows the sound and they know the way that that video game is supposed to sound. How yeah. do you transfer that without making everybody say, ah, this is not the original and they're just, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting process. So the very first thing we did was, um, you know, the video games are from like the mid 90s, like the first one came out in 1995. Um, I think there was something like um, eight video games over 11 years, depending on how you count the video games, because they were like um, reboot launches and stuff like that. But um, the first thing we did was we contacted um, Sony PlayStation. Um, big shout out to Michael Friend and the team over at uh, Sony Archival uh, who helped us uh, unarchive all of the original sounds from the video games, which was our first start. Um, so we had this process of like listening to the original sounds. But, um, you know, those sounds were on video game discs, those like early, I think they were like Gen gen four consoles so those discs at the time had to hold a significant amount of visual data for the video games so all the sounds were these like low bit rate compressed mp3s which sounded fantastic when you were playing back in the late 90s early 2000s right. but you know when you put it on a mix stage and listen to it it's like oh this like it, it it wouldn't work in in the realm of television or film so the cool thing was that our showrunner michael jonathan smith who's it was amazing um built into the show these kind of easter eggs so john uses the fire missiles and those were things from the real game and then we had uh, the laughing ghost missiles from sweet tooth's truck so we had we were able to go through our files and see what they sounded like and then go to our sound libraries and go to our recordings and mimic those sounds and try to basically enhance them and bring them to life in a cinematic sense so okay. everything you hear on screen from the fire missiles to the sound of roadkill to um, you know, all of the vehicles to Sweet Tooth's truck, we tried as much as possible to pay authenticity to the original sound work from the video game creators. Okay. Now you said you had sound libraries. So these libraries are, um, are files of pre-recorded sound. Did you... Yeah. So, I mean, like any sound facility will have a ton of, um, sound libraries that, that we were like hoarders. We like buy them and, and catalog them and put them into our databases um, but we had to, you know, and oftentimes on projects like this, it's, you know, we needed the sound of, um, roadkill, which was like an old Camaro. So, you know, we, it, it would be incredibly difficult 
to go out to like a racetrack in a quiet environment and custom record all of these things. And oftentimes there's other things like budget of the production and stuff like that that can get in the way. So uh, we worked, uh, there was a company called uh, Pole Position that does fantastic recordings of cars. So we basically went through an audition for all the different vehicles. Okay, this this is going to be the sound of roadkill. And we would build a library from two or three recordings of different Camaros. Or this is going to be the sound of Sweet Tooth Truck, which was like an old military tank and uh, um, a rickety Ford pickup truck. And, a, you know, like, and we built the elements of these cars using these libraries. Okay. So what is the approval process? Does do all of these sound builds go through you to this, to the showrunner or where's that, what's that kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Level? That's, it's pretty much that we, you know, we, we have discussions with the showrunner prior to, we get a sense of the size and, and what they want to hear from it. So uh, for example, on Twisted Metal, we will have conversations with the showrunner. They will give us uh, an idea of the size of the vehicles they're looking for, the sounds of those things. We'll go about building them. And then from that, uh, you know, those initial talks and then the subsequent sound builds, we'll have um, sound review sessions where we'll come to the mix stage and we can play the sequences and say, how do the cars sound? And then they'll give notes on that. And, um, you know, if we're doing our job right, the notes will be, uh, you know, small. Um, and you have to kind of cross your fingers and hope that the notes aren't really big. But yeah. yeah. Did you run yeah. into any problems or were there any difficulties in this project? Um, no, I mean, like, you know, I think every project is a process and oftentimes it's about figuring out, um, how the showrunner or how the director wants to tell the, their film through sound. So like there were a couple of sequences that were tricky on Twisted Metal, um, episode four, where the truck convoy abducts John and quiet. That was a big one only because we had all of this like great stuff. We had the truckers communicating, we had um you know lots of music and it was a really complicated sequence and it you know we were kind of throwing everything uh, the whole kitchen sink into the mix and it was a process of just pulling items out and it's uh, as rick rubin says production by reduction so it's about removing stuff to make sure that the sound of the episode really you know tells the story yeah and doesn't get too muddy yeah. right exactly yeah too muddy yeah, keep things everything clear. So now you're a supervisor, but you haven't always been. What was your trajectory? Like if there's someone brand new that's wanting to get into this industry, like where do they begin? You're going to have to do a lot of work. It's going to be long hours. You're going to get opportunities to make short films for free or help someone out for a low budget, you know, project, but really those things are the best way to cut your teeth. You know, they're um they will they will put you in a position so that when a big project comes along, you're ready and that you've put in those hours and that you know your skills are enough to meet the expectations of you know the the director or showrunner or production mm -hmm. so yeah those yeah. uh those smaller projects just like they're great training ground for the larger projects totally and you need to look at them like that you know obviously you want to do a great job but it's important to to realize that like this is a way for me to learn the the do's and the don'ts you know yeah those are, yeah. those are great. James, this has been so much fun talking with you. You've kind of blown my mind a little bit about how much goes into sound editing and, and re-recording. So um, yeah, I'm going to completely look more up about this. Now, if someone wants to find more information about this process, do you know where people can go to find out more about what you do? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of really cool um, YouTube channels um, called, uh, there's one called, I believe it's called This Is Sound Design. Um, 
there's a, a guy named Mike James Gallagher who does these like breakdowns of the levels. So it'd be like, okay, here's a scene from Fight Club. Here's just the dialogue. Now we're adding in the backgrounds. Now we're adding in the music. And, um, you know, and, and I think that those, those kind of videos as, in terms of introduction are great at like getting a, a novice sound editor or an aspiring sound editor to kind of understand the process of what every department does to kind of add to this tapestry of sound that we, we create. Um, and then, I mean, I think just if you're interested, um, studios will often have the ability to bring you by for a day and let you sit with, uh, with a sound editor. Um, and I think that reaching out to post-production studios and, and saying that you're an aspiring sound editor might be a good way to get an internship and then from there a job. So, um, just to finish up, do you have any big projects coming up that you can talk about or are those kind of, um, yeah, kind of. I mean, I'm working on a couple of it. So I'm I'm just finishing up a um, a horror movie for Lionsgate called uh, Do Not Enter, which is pretty cool, um, and that should be coming out later this year. And I'm also working on uh, a uh, kind of a dark comedy. It's it's being released through Lionsgate called The Duel, um, and it stars Dylan Sprouse and Patrick Woolbert from Family Guy. Oh, that's fun. We'll have to watch. I'm going to yeah. look out for those and watch. I'm not. Well, no, I like some horror movies. I think I'll be able to handle it. We'll see. Depends on how yeah. crazy the sound edit is, I suppose. I might have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it'll be good. Um, okay, good. I'll have to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, James. This has been such a joy chatting with you. Thank you for all of the information and um, congratulations on all these great projects. Yeah. Thank you very much, Christine, for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Musicians vs. the World podcast in our conversation with supervising sound editor and re-recording mixer James Parnell from Monkeyland Audio. If you would like to learn more about James and the work he does, we will have links to his website and Monkeyland Audio in our show notes on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. It is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today is Russ Wilkes. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. You can also find a video version of this interview on our Musicians vs. the World YouTube channel. If you have any questions for us, topics you'd like to hear about, or any helpful advice for other musicians that you'd like to share, be sure to reach out on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.